Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, my friends, I want to let you all know that my very first book, The Path of an Eagle, How to Overcome and Lead After Being Knocked Down is now available for pre-order. I'll make sure the link is available in the show notes below. All right, my friends, let's do the show. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybox. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Broken down and stranded 1,000 miles from home with only $7 left in his bank account. My guest today, Bob Lotick, had reached his breaking point. He was stuck in a dead-end job, living paycheck to paycheck and overwhelmed by debt. Bob had been following the world's advice with money and this was the fruit of it. In desperation, he cried out to God for wisdom for a different way. The answer was a simple four-part formula, one based on timeless biblical principles and most important, it actually worked. After applying this simple formula, Bob discovered that his financial stress melted away and he finally felt fully in control of his money. And he continued to follow the four steps. He paid off over $400,000 in debt, reached a personal goal of giving $1 million by age 40, and he achieved a level of financial freedom he never dreamed possible. In his new book, Simple Money, Rich Life, Bob teaches you how to achieve true financial freedom and design a life of eternal impact. And for those of you that don't know who Bob is, he is the high performance financial coach, certified educator in personal finance, and he has been named a top 20 influencer in personal finance. His award-winning website, SeedTime.com and SeedTime Money Podcast have reached over 50 million people in the past decade alone, which is a lot of people if you really think about it. His writing and advice has been featured in Men's Health Magazine, Forbes, Yahoo Finance, and many others. He loves unearthing timeless financial wisdom from the Bible as well as sharing his results of experimenting with everything from budgeting hacks, money-saving apps, to big things like radical giving and year-long sabbaticals. He and his wife, Linda, personally struggled with budgeting for over 10 years, as he, as I just described before, as he tested nearly every budgeting method out there. But this conversation with Bob and I really is another helping guide for you guys to really see money in a different light if you haven't already. I think, as my good friend Derek Kinney says, we if you are a good person, you deserve more money. And I think we have this, if you are in Sydney, Australia, that is, or if you're Australian, you have kind of like this tall poppy syndrome surrounding money. We don't like talking about it for whatever reason that is. Maybe it's because we place this personal value so much over it. Uh, but talking about money, it's not a bad thing. It's just a tool. And Bob really helps to explain that money can be broken down very, very simply and you can earn more of it. But also you can achieve a richer life, not just with money in your bank account, but with many other important and valuable things as we do discuss during this conversation. 
So my friends, if you do get something from it, please share it around to your friends and your family to let everyone know about this one. Don't forget that my very first book, The Path of an Eagle, How to Overcome and Lead After Being Knocked Down is now available for pre-order. Everything will be in the links below for you guys to get uh, Simple Money, Rich Life, as well as my book too. Uh, make it, it really, really simple for you guys. Appreciate all your support. All right, my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to achieve true financial freedom and design a life of eternal impact as we journey into the story box today and listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice, and the stories of none other than my friend, Bob Lotick. And Jay, well, thank you. It's an honor to be here. Excited to chat, brother. I'm excited to have you here, my friend. And I mean, I always love talking to people about money. Because I think I think that uh, there is a stigma around. I don't know if you've come across it. That never. How many people never. like talking about money? <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> uh, so today is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, my very first question for you, though, before we dive yeah. further into the money conversation, who knows? Maybe this question might lead into it fairly quickly. We'll see how we go. Is what does success look like for you? Yeah, so that's a that's been a question I've wrestled with over the years because um, I think it changes as you mature. You know, I mean, maybe you've experienced this, but like as a young twenty-something, young ambitious twenty-something trying to climb the corporate ladder, like it meant a corporate or a corner office. Like that was my that was my definition of success. Once I have the corner office in this big high rise in downtown, like then. I'm successful and it's evolved quite a bit um, now that I've gotten a little bit older and gone through a few things. And so at this point, like really, I just want to get to the end of my life and um, know that I lived a life um, that really honored God, you know, in everything I did and made good, um, you know, and true decisions and, uh, and really just like impacted people around me with love. And, you know, I know this sounds like kind of a cliche and cushy, but it's like, really, that's what I want. Like that, that is success. It's not a dollar amount in the bank account anymore for me. Um, and it's like, I want to be able to take care of my family. I want, you know, to be able to do all that stuff. I want to be able to, um, really, you know, like we talk about in the book, like make a big impact financially in the world around me. But, but even that, I think, um, for me, isn't the full and total definition of success. Like there's more to it. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. And this idea that you've sort of formed for yourself now, when was the moment that you realized that in fact was success? Cause you mentioned that you have wrestled with it for some time. Was there more of a catalyst moment somewhere in your life that you realized it, or has it been this, I guess, gradual thing over the course of your life at different points? Yeah. I mean, it's been a ongoing learning process, I would say over the last probably 15, 20 years for me. Um, you know, because I think we all know intuitively that money isn't going to make us happy, but we all kind of want to like find out for ourselves. <laughs> like we want to just try it out and just, just make sure that it's not going to make us happy. And, you know, and I think any of us who have some level of financial success, um, get to the point where like, yeah, it's right. Like it just didn't do it. It didn't provide the level of happiness that I thought, um, you know, and there's studies that have been done that have essentially proven this idea as well. And so, you know, so it's been a journey for me. Uh, but, Within that, I mean, I think there have been a couple key moments. Um, like, I mean, I, you know, having worked in that corporate environment for a while and um, honestly, and struggled to climb the ladder, the corporate ladder, like I wanted to, uh, there were a couple points in there where it was just like, hmm, maybe this isn't the goal I should be going after. Maybe this isn't the thing that really is going to provide that, um, that sense of feeling successful that I really wanted. You know what I mean? I know what you mean, man. And what are some of the reasons that you've discovered why money doesn't make people happy? Because I think a lot of people, because the main thing is like they want to strive for money until they figure out when they actually get a lot of money that, hey, it doesn't satisfy. But my thing is, why is it so enticing to begin with? And why doesn't money make us happy at all? Yeah, yeah I mean, and I think, money does uh, make us happy to an extent. I mean, and I think it depends on your situation. This is what some of those studies, and I, I wish I had it off the top of my head for you, but um, but I remember reading one where it says, money will incrementally make or provide some happiness up to a certain point. 
uh, up to a certain salary. And then after that, it's like a quick, you know, law of diminishing returns past that point. Uh, and I don't remember the specific numbers on it, but point is like, I mean, you know, if you're on the poverty line and getting a little bit more money can make you more happy, you know, but once you've crossed six figures or something like that, like there's a point where, you know, making another hundred thousand or another 200,000, like is only going to, uh, add an incremental level of happiness. And in some cases it goes backwards, you know? So I, I was listening to a podcast not too long ago with the guy who, um, kind of a business coach guy. And anyway, he's making $6 million per month, per month, <laughs> which I'm like, that's an income. And he went on and like, I'd never, I don't know if I've ever heard anyone be this honest about money, but he said, you know, I'm making more money than I think I ever have $6 million a month, but I've never been more miserable than I am right now. And I'm like, wow, that's very raw. And, you know, and he was just talking about that, like how he kind of wished he could have go back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, in which I don't know, like I, you hear that and you have to think, all right. So, Again, and I don't think there's anything wrong with chasing that level of success or whatever, that achievement. But if you're doing that, thinking that that is the thing that is going to provide all of this satisfaction and all of this contentment and make you feel secure and make you like all that, like, it's just not going to happen, you know? And so for me as a believer, like as a Christian, like I've just determined that the only place I can get that kind of contentment and satisfaction is just from knowing God and having a relationship with him. And so that's the thing for me was just made me like, that's where I look to. And when I drift from that and I put my hope in my money, in my bank account, in my whatever, any accolades or achievements, it's like it quickly, like, yeah, it's, it's just nothing. Why is the love of money the root of all evil you think? I think it's because what we are doing when we're doing that, I think we're replacing God in our life. You know, I think that's why that Bible verse says that. And I, and I love that you actually quoted it the right way. <laughs> so, so many people say that money is the root of all evil, but it's the love of money. And which is, is such an important distinction, I think, especially among people in the church, um, because it's not money. Money isn't the problem. It's, it's our hearts. And so when we're in love with money, when we're chasing money, when that becomes our idol, when that becomes the thing that we are looking to provide security for us or whatever else, uh, and we don't need God anymore. That's when I think there's a problem. And I, and I think that's why that verse is in the Bible. Crucial word there is love. Yeah. Uh, and it's so easy to love money, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, I think it's an ongoing struggle. Like, I don't think it's something that just goes away. Um, you know, I remember hearing this 80 year old guy talking about to a group of guys just about, um, kind of like sexual purity and temptation and all of this stuff. And he basically was talking to a bunch of 20 year old guys. He's like, I got bad news for you guys. Like it, the temptation doesn't go away. Like I'm 80 years old like, and I still am getting tempted, you know? Um, and, and I think it's probably the same way with money. Like I think there's just always a temptation um, to look to money uh, to provide all these things that really, I think, I think only God can provide. Yeah. And so it's just a constant, um, it leaves you in a position of constantly having to check yourself and make sure that your heart's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think definitely it's a hard issue. And I think, is there such a thing as, well, I was listening to a, a podcast the other day as well. And I heard the, the guy say, I can't remember who it was, but I think he was saying that the the amount is seventy thousand dollars that we earn, and then anything after that, the moment after we we earn it, we either want more and we feel miserable because we want more, or we're comfortable with the seventy thousand dollars and that's it. Like we're, yeah. we don't want to get anything else. Mm -hmm. I found that interesting. I was very striking because they actually put a a, a certain amount. Um, and I guess the question that I wanted to ask you is, how do we know that? Uh, X amount is enough for us? Like, is it based on our circumstances or should we continue to earn more and more money? Yeah. And so this is actually one of the tricky things that, you know, the focus of the book is on, like, um, cause you know, like we talked about in the church and the, some of the stigma with money, um, in earning more, like my argument is, yeah, like I want to earn as much as I can, you know, but 
again, it's not because I want to just accumulate as much money as possible, but like, I want to be able to make a bigger impact on people's lives. Like, I wish I could send millions of dollars over to Ukraine and help with some of what's going on there, you know? And I, I wish that I had so much more money right now to be able to do a lot of those different things. And, you know, and by God's grace, we've been able to do a lot of different things. I'm really excited about that, but I want more and I want to be able to do more. And therefore I want to earn more. And that's part of um, what we're trying to do and help our readers do is maximize their income. And again, not to get them in this place where money becomes their idol, but to where they can use it as a tool to impact the world around them. This might be a repeat question, but how much is too much money? Yeah. So that is a great question. But the, the way I like to answer this is whatever amount um, begins to turn it into an idol where you lose your dependence on God. And so I think for some people, this might be, uh, yeah, it could be really, really low. Like this could be poverty line um, dollar amount, like income, you know, for some people, but in some, for other people, it might be many millions of dollars. And that's, that's why there's no one size fits all thing for this. Um, yeah, because everybody's situation is different. And everybody's heart is different. What if that person is not a Christian and he says, Bob, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in any of the yeah. teachings surrounding that. I love money. I want to earn more money. How much is yeah. too much money for me? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know that answer, but <laughs> I would encourage anyone listening, regardless of, you know, whether we share the same beliefs, um, I would argue that you're going to find more joy in, uh, in giving like, this is the thing. And again, there's studies have proven this as well. Like you're going to find more joy in giving than just accumulating endlessly. Yeah. And so again, I don't think there's any problem earn as much as you can, but like, get a, a vision behind why you're earning. Like, I think just the pursuit of a number, it's just a moving goalpost that is never going to stop moving and it's never going to satisfy. So find some end in mind here of what you're trying to do. What's your purpose behind all this? Um, and I think you're going to be able to live a little bit more enjoyable life. Why do you think, especially in Christian circles and the church circles, because I grew up with this, that negative stigma surrounding yeah. talking about money and it's like, if you're not giving enough and all these things, right? Where do you think that negative stigma originated? Have you sort of researched or looked into it? Uh, no, I mean, not, not real deep. Uh, <laughs> I've just, you know, dealt with it enough um, from a variety of emails from people and from a whole bunch of other things uh, that, you know, you and I both know it's a very real thing <laughs> and it's very present in a lot of different corners of the church. Um, but, but I think a lot of, you know, people in the church in general, and, and really just all of humanity, like we like things, we like simple rules to follow. <laughs> and we, you know, cause these things where it's like, you have to walk in this balance. Like it's just tricky. It's just a whole lot easier to be on one extreme or the other. Like it's, it's hard to walk in the balance. And, and I think that's part of it. I think that's where it comes from because I think really that's too, what you see, like two big kind of dividing, um, extremes in the church of money and in this there's a middle ground which I, I think is the accurate spot you know in my opinion uh it, it's just tough to walk and so i think you know a lot of people just tend toward the extremes mm, ain't that the truth <laughs> so. yeah i can't i can't tell you the amount of times because i grew up in a conservative christian home yeah. and church and every time the, the topic of money was brought up, it was such an interesting thing to listen to. Like I always had this fear of earning more money because that somehow meant that I had to give more because I was earning more. But I, they always say, I always, uh, it made me more interested and my ears perked up every time the pastor would have a message on giving. And usually there was a joke going around that if the, the past Sunday, the giving was low, then we'll get a, a message the next Sunday about giving. <laughs> so just to encourage and entice people to give more. Um, and it just, yeah, it always interests me that that whole philosophy and that whole notion surrounding money, because yeah. it just left a bad taste in my mouth, so to speak. And it just brought forth unhealthy fears. I guess my, yeah. my question is for a lot of people that might be in the same position as me, how do we get rid of those negative fears that might be heavily ingrained in, in someone? I mean, I'm still yeah. trying to get rid of some of them today and that's why I love having these conversations. So maybe you can help me even more. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. And I've been through this too. Like my, 
you know, right when I really became a Christian, like I was in my early twenties, I remember going to this small church in this town I was going to is a church of about 75 people. And we had a guest preacher one day and he comes in and halfway through his message, like he just, you know, looks up, he's like, who here isn't tithing? And we're all like, is, does he want an answer? Like, I thought it was a rhetorical question or something. And then he asked it again, like, who here isn't tithing? And so like, I like start like looking down. I'm like, all right, can I crawl out of here? Like, how the how heck do I get out of this place? And anyway, and so he just continued. He would not let it go until he got an answer. And so finally, after a couple minutes of this, and I mean, dead silence, like it's awkward. Like it's so thick, you could cut it with a knife. And finally, two guys like slowly like raised their hand and admitted that they weren't consistently tithing. And, um, and the way that I know that they weren't consistently tithing is because he brought them down to the altar and then publicly berated them in front of all of us and the rest of the congregation for not consistently tithing. And I remember like, as I was a new Christian, I'm like, what the heck is this it? Is this normal? Is this what giving is like, you know? And so, man, like, you know, so that was like my, my initiation into Christian giving. And anyway, so I had, I've had a lot of things to like kind of clean up and to go back to the Bible and like, find out, all right, what is it supposed to be like? And what I've found, um, is that it's not supposed to be from guilt. It's not supposed to be from condemnation or from pressure, but it's supposed to actually be something that's joyful and that's fun. And so how do we make it that way? And that's what I feel like my wife and I, Linda have like really stumbled upon because that whole experience, that pressure filled obligation, shame based, like you have to give or else like that isn't what I see in my Bible. And that isn't what we've lived out. And giving has become one of our favorite things in life. One of the greatest sources of joy in our life. And and it's not because of that. And we're not doing it because we feel like God's going to get us if we don't, you know, we're doing it because we're actually having a whole lot of fun doing it. And so that's, that's changed everything for us. Um, and that's been part of how I've just kind of tore down a lot of those other things was discovering kind of the joy of giving and how to do it the right way and how to have fun with it and all this stuff. Let me get back to what the Bible talks about in regards to giving and what God actually says. Cause I know that the Bible quite often talks about giving and, and money. I think that's important to illustrate yeah. to a lot of people. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, why, why money? Why is this so much interest to you? Why did you start seed time? Why did you do all these things? What was the, the catalyst story? Yeah. So, um, I think for me, it all started just cause I was a mess. Like I was just a complete mess and I was, I grew up wanting to be an accountant, um, I was one like I was eight, eight years old. My parents literally said I was going to be an accountant, like because I was playing my piggy bank, counting money nonstop. Like they just they knew I had something there. And, and I grew up and I started working at a bank and I was just pretty cocky and thought I knew a lot about money. And then um, then I found myself um, kind of in this really broken down. Anyway, I'll, I'll brief a story. So I'm in Florida, kind of on this extended um, sabbatical from where I was living and basically found myself broken down in the middle of the road. <laughs> and uh, at a really inopportune time, my car breaks down so fast, I couldn't even pull over to the side of the road. And then um, and the whole reason I was driving at that point is because I needed I just picked up my paycheck and I needed to get to the bank and then get to my landlord to pay my rent that was due in about three hours. And right then my car breaks down. And this was a big deal because I, if I didn't get that payment to the landlord with the next three hours, she would tack on $50 and my paycheck was so small, I didn't have enough to cover that extra $50. And so all this is going through my head as I'm sitting in the middle of that road that day. And I'm trying to figure out like, how the heck am I gonna do this? How am I gonna get towed, fixed, and then get back or to the bank and then get to the landlord in, in three hours, like in trying to figure this out, you know, and to be honest, I wasn't even thinking about the next day or the next week or the next month. Like I was just in financial complete chaos. And it was one of those, it was the moment like where I realized I thought I knew how to do this money thing, but I don't. And, you know, and I cried out to God for wisdom. And I said, if you have a better plan, a better way than what I've been doing, like, I want to hear it. And in that like kind of humility and like eliminating my pride and thinking that I had it all figured out um, was kind of the kickstart for me just on this journey of learning about money. 
Um, and then as I began learning about it, for some reason, I just had this desire to share it. And so in 2007, I started a blog and began kind of sharing what I was learning and what I was reading in the Bible and what it said about money. Cause I was fascinated. The Bible actually talked about money. Um, but that was kind of the kickstart. I read that you only had $7 to your name. And yeah, I also read somewhere. Thing. Yeah. I also read somewhere that, uh, you had a lot of debt. I think it was over 40 something thousand dollars worth of debt when yep. you were married. I mean, yep. did that put a lot of strain on your relationship? So when Lynn and I get married, we both brought debt into the equation. Um, so I had some, you know, car loans, student loans, credit cards. She had a bunch of credit cards. Um, and so we both just kind of brought this whole big ball of mess together. And uh, yeah, I mean, there, there was definitely some, some strain from it because, you know, she went from spending whatever, more than 100% of her income to us getting married and trying to pay off debt, you know, to where she was basically spending nothing. We were both living on almost pennies. I mean, in those early days, we were so broke. Like I was fasting meals because we didn't have enough money for groceries type of stuff. Um, and so it was pretty tight. And whenever it's that tight, um, you know, it's easy to bump into your spouse and, um, you know, and wish that it wasn't the way that it is and have to encourage each other uh, that the, the what we're fighting through trying to pay off this debt is going to be worth it, you know? Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that might feel the same way. And that's why I asked that question yeah. because it also leads into my next question like how long did it take you to get out of all that debt yeah uh yeah so that was one of the interesting things um so one of the things that like we've really tried to do is really bring god into the equation you know like you know and that's part of what we're talking about in this book but like i don't want to if god is going to help me <laughs> through this financial thing and paying off debt, which I actually believe that God really is excited about getting people out of debt. And if that's the case, if that's something that he's interested in, then I want to like be on the same team with him. I want to be working with him on this rather than just trying to do it in my own strength. And that's what we found that as we brought him into that equation, which sometimes meant us doing weird, unconventional things, um, that allowed us to get our debt paid off a whole lot faster than we should have. You know, so for example, I had a plan of, you know, getting that $46,000 paid off and, you know, probably would have taken four or five years, I believe, and ended up just being about two years. So it's just a lot faster. Um, and, you know, and I'm convinced it's because, you know, we brought God into that equation and we weren't just trying to do it ourselves, you know. So bringing God into the equation and then also creating, I guess, was it a, a financial plan to be able to pay off this debt? Like what, what are some strategies that you can give people like simple strategies? You mentioned some yep. unconventional ways of doing things, which I think is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the, uh, really unconventional things, and then I'll get into something a little bit more practical and less spiritual, but one of the things that, blew my mind was kind of while Lynn and I were really getting committed to pay off our debt. Um, she comes to me one day, she's like, I think we should just start giving twice as much as we are. <laughs> and, um, I'm like, all right, well, we're not gonna be able to pay off our debt very fast if we give it all away. And, um, and anyway, and I, you know, I've learned that when my wife has something burning in her heart like that, that is a good thing, even if it's scary to me that, I should probably run with it. It's probably ultimately a better decision than me just trying to be tight fisted. And anyway, and so we decided to increase our giving by 10%. Um, and again, and that was part of the thing where it's like, all right, this makes no sense. We just are increasing our giving. Um, and so we're going to have less money to pay towards our debt, but yet we get it paid off years faster than we should have. Like it just made no sense. But that was one of those things where it's like, and this is where I'm convinced that, um, you know, and it says this all throughout scripture, like those who give are blessed, you know, and I don't necessarily think God's, you know, like a slot machine or something. It's like going to come back right back out like that. But, but the point is there's a lot of different blessings that God can give. And I think one of the things that he loves is seeing people get out of debt. And so for us, that was one thing that, um, that we did that, uh, yeah, I'm convinced made a big difference. Now within that you brought up the financial plan part and yeah, like, 
I think it makes no sense or very, very little sense to just be like, all right, God, you just take care of my debt. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not even going to look at how much I have. I'm not going to try to spend less. Like I'm just, you know, I think it's a, a partnering where you're both doing your own part. And so in our case, like that meant, okay, well, we're going to actually see how much we have. We're going to pay attention to what's going on. We're actually going to see what our spending is. Um, because this is something I find all the time, Jay. I find people like, uh, don't actually know how much they're spending on certain yeah. things. And so I will talk to people all the time. Well, how much are you spending on groceries? I was, well, I don't know. I think probably about, I don't know, $500 a month. It's like, okay, well here, go download mint.com or personal capital, um, plug it in and let me know. Come back to me next month and tell me exactly how much you're spending. It's like, Bob, I was spending $900 a month on groceries. I couldn't believe it. It's like, yeah, we all think we spent a certain amount, but until we actually know, like, most of the time we're wrong. And then the important part here is that it's not whether we're wrong or not. Like the point is, is that you can't spot problem spots. Like you can't identify problem or trouble spots until you know that they're there. And so that's why it's so important to actually be paying attention. And so just that simple step for someone who's not doing that, like it's a big, big deal. Do you think that it is wise for someone that is in a lot of debt and doesn't really have a plan to step out in faith and give more? And why is that the case, you think, if that is a, a decent question? <laughs> no, I think it's a decent question. I, I'm not going to claim to have the answer here. Now, what I am going to say is, I'm going to say we did that. Um, and we did it because we felt like that's what God was leading us to do. Um, and so that would be my encouragement is to pray and see what God is leading you to do. Because Here's the deal. Like, I think, you know, as a believer and reading through, you know, the Bible, like the Bible never condemns debt as a sin, you know, but it's also not talked about very favorably in most cases. And so that being the case, if we can assume that, you know, God might have some interest in us being out of debt, then I think that's a holy and righteous cause as well. And so to that end, like I, you know, I think the best course of action is to pray and to just listen, you know, listen to hear where God might be leading you. Um, but, um, I will say this, I don't think, um, there's this famous quote and I forgot who said it, but, um, it's something, it might've even been, um, anyway, I don't remember who said it, but anyway, point is the, the quote is something to the effect of, um, I've never seen anyone become poor by giving and, um, you know, whatever. And maybe there are some crazy off the wall examples of that happening. But I think the point is, is I, for me, I want to err on the side of giving. And, and, and again, especially because of some of the things we've seen in our lives and some of the joy that we've had in it. Uh, it's like, this is just how I want to live my life. And I'm, I'm willing to take a bet that if I lean towards giving, that God's going to take care of me and take care of my needs. So that's kind of how we've operated. Giving where exactly? Like that's always interested me, like giving to your local church. What if you don't have a local church? Is it giving to charity? Those sorts of things. Yeah. So for us, it's a, it's a handful of different things. Um, um, there's a framework that I like to follow and recommend to a lot of people when trying to decide where to giving or to give. And it's from um, Pastor Andy Stanley came up with this, or I heard it from him anyway. And he says, give from a grateful heart and give from a broken heart. And, and as I've evaluated our giving, I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense because almost every situation thing that we give to like falls in one of those categories. So what are the organizations that I'm really grateful and thankful for? You know, so in our case, it's our local church. That's one of them. And so that's, you know, always on our list. We're always giving to them. But are there people in our lives? Are there other organizations that we've really benefited from that we want to continue to exist um, because we're so grateful and appreciative and thankful for them? And so how can we use our money to kind of support those causes? And then on the other hand, like what are the things in the world that are happening or the individual situations that I'm aware of um, or hear of where it's like, all right, that breaks my heart and I don't want that to happen anymore. So how can I use my dollars to help prevent that from happening anymore or reduce the amount that it's happening? And so I found that framework to be pretty helpful. Um, yeah. And so hopefully some other people will as well. Why is for a lot of people, I think they, they believe that giving means they're going to go without. How can we help them understand that when we do give, we truly do receive the biggest blessing? Not necessarily like the Bible talks about giving you shall receive, but does it necessarily mean you're going to receive 
tenfold of what you've actually given financially? Yeah. So I think there's always a tendency um, in humans to want to like reduce everything to this formula and again, the slot machine or something like yeah. that. I want to know this is a good investment. When I put a dollar in, 10 is going to come back, you know? And uh, I think God is just too big and too awesome to re be reduced to that, you know? And it's like, I wouldn't want to serve a God that was that simple, you know? Um, and so I think there's just more complexity to it than that. But uh, but yeah, but I think there are plenty of those instances. I mean, you know, you probably heard some of those stories. I've heard so many of those stories, like where somebody, you know, did something sacrificial and gave a certain amount and then, whoa, you know, something else came back to them not much longer where it's like, all right, that's probably not a coincidence. Um, but on the other hand, like another really cool thing that I think a lot of people miss is that, um, you know, the Bible talks about that when we give, we're storing up treasures in heaven. <laughs> like, and, and it's easy to forget this. And it's like, well, it's heaven. It's so far away, whatever. But, you know, when you think of eternity and the grand scope of eternity, like, I, that's pretty cool that like, we can give something we have now and store up something treasure in heaven. Like, and I don't know what that means. Like, I don't know what that means, but I think it's going to be cool. I think it's going to be cool. And I think we're going to be really glad when we get to heaven that we did give and that we did make those choices to do that. Um, so, you know, so those are a couple of different ways I'm thinking about that. You're like me in thinking about when the Bible talks about lay up your treasures in heaven, not here on earth. And I'm thinking, what does that look like? Because in, in terms of looking at heaven's perspective, gold is his pavement. We place the value on yeah. gold here down on earth. Yeah. And I mean, like what, what are we going to do with it all? Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what, what sort of treasure? Like, we're going to have a mansion, right? So, talking about having how big the mansion is, are we all getting the same size mansion or are we getting bigger mansions? Like, that's always. I don't know, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> me too. I'm I'm fascinated. Let me know when you have the answers. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, same here. <laughs> yeah, I love to know, but I think that's just like it's exciting. For me, at least, and I know for you, it yeah. is. Yeah. But it's also bringing forth, okay, let me make a much more profound impact while I'm here on this earth with the resources that God has blessed me with to benefit and to bless others with it, whether it's my time, yeah. my money, you name it, whatever it is. Because it's technically speaking, it's not really my own. Like I was given it to, to be a good steward of it, which yeah. is... Yeah. Leading me into my my next question for you, what are some things that I haven't spoken about that the Bible talks about in terms of the importance of money, getting out of debts, and yeah, all those wonderful things? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think the point you just brought up about stewardship, I think it's a really important one uh, because when you understand, um, because yeah. I believe that everything I have, I mean, you know, from the desk I'm sitting at to the financial possessions, to the kids I'm raising, to the air that I'm breathing, like that it's on loan to me. <laughs> like it's just been given to me. And if that's the case, if every dollar in my bank account isn't actually mine, but I'm actually just a temporary manager of it for his purposes, then that changes the, uh, the decisions that I will make. And so, um, and that doesn't mean like, cause I think God is, you know, a great boss and a great father and whatever. And so I don't think that means that, all right, that means that every single dollar I have to give away and I can never enjoy anything in life. I mean, I, you know, we live a very blessed life and I, I'm really, really thankful for the material possessions that we have. And, um, you know, we're not, you know, some hyper frugality people just giving every single penny away. But, um, but that's been something I've really tried to grow in over the years is like, how can I view every dollar that I have as not my own, but as his, because it's a whole lot easier to give someone else's money away. Yep. And when you legitimately, <laughs> it really is. And when you legitimately kind of see it through that lens, it just makes it a lot easier. Um, and so it's kind of like, you know, a lot of these things, it's like a, there's, you know, uh, altruistic, but also selfish motivation behind it. You know, it's like, I, I want it to be easier to give. And so anything I can do, any hack that I can kind of create to help me have an easier time giving, because I can struggle with it just like anyone else, but I'm just optimizing, trying to optimize for having as much joy in giving as possible. You know what I mean? Yes, entirely. And I love how you, you said it's easier to give away other people's money because you haven't really earned yeah. it. You haven't worked. <laughs> for it at all like I've, I've noticed that it's like when 
before I, it would be funny, right? I have this like hesitation and this pain in, in my heart, like giving it away. And it's like, Oh, I don't want to do this, <laughs> yeah. but I know it's right. So I think that's where the Bible talks about be a cheerful giver that yeah. sort of mindset towards it. I mean, I know all this stuff, but yeah. in reality of things, when you put in that position to give with a cheerful heart, it's like, Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. Come on. yeah. And it's not a, it's not a one-time thing like either. It's like, uh, yeah, it's like working out. It's like, you have to continue to do it. And, um, you know, and I've been talking about this stuff for a long time and I still am trying to find ways to remind myself that, all right, the money in my bank account is not mine. And so like one of the things that we've changed and, you know, we talk about this in the book a little bit, but I stopped calling our net worth our net worth. Cause I'm like, that's not my net worth. That's not that that number does not define me as the total of my worth, you know, firstly. And then secondly, we began calling it assets under management, you know, which is a financial term that a lot of money managers use. But I'm like, that's what we are. We're money managers. So I'm going to start calling this our assets under management, like however, money, however much we're responsible for managing. That's our AUM or assets under management. And just that constant reminder, you know, even saying it out loud, like just reminds me that I'm just a manager. It's not mine. I'm not the owner. I'm just the manager. Yeah, I like that. I call it my net income. Like, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> As, <laughs> assets and liabilities, I know is like financial math and like all that sort of fun stuff. But I just tend to say it's my income. I have it. I don't. <laughs> it's all good. Um my 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 last couple of questions for you, Bob, because I know your time is incredibly valuable. What is the worst piece of financial advice you've ever been given? So um, I'll tell you what. So I was in this was uh, do you, I don't know how closely you follow this. Do you remember the um, the GameStop thing? What was going on with the GameStop stock and any of that? No, anyway, it's okay if you don't. It's kind of a like a small little financial window. But anyway, a couple months back, I'm in the I'm at my gym that I go to work out, <clears throat> and I'm in the sauna, and I'm sitting there, and there's two other guys in there. So there's one guy on my left, one guy on my right. The guy on my right, he's sitting there looking at his phone, and you know, I don't know how many saunas you've been in. You go to sauna much? Uh, sometimes, yes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So the sauna I go to anyway, kind of like elevator rules a little bit, where it's like. We're all just kind of in there doing our thing. Sometimes people will come in with the conversation. Anyway, so sometimes people are talking, sometimes they're not. Anyway, so I walk in, these two guys aren't talking. I'm just sitting there. Everybody's quiet. And this guy's walking his phone. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> me and the other guy are just sitting there silent. And this guy's grunting with excitement. And, uh, and so I'm like, all right, I'll take the bait. What's going on? What are you excited about? Because he clearly wanted us to ask. And so, uh, so I asked and he's like, oh man, I just made $500 in two minutes. I'm like, oh, great. How'd you do it? Tell me more, you know? And, uh, and he goes on to tell me how basically he's day trading stocks and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, and I don't have any, I don't have a problem with day traders. Like that's fine. It's not my preferred method of investing. I prefer the slow and passive approach, but but anyway, so uh, he goes on to explain this. And then the kid sitting on my left was younger than me and probably 22 years old. And so the, my day trader friend here is talking about, uh, starts talking to him instead of me for whatever reason. I guess I'm the old guy or something. And so he's talking to a 22-year-old kid. He's like, oh, man, do you day trade stocks? He's like, no, I'm just trying to pay off debt right now. And then day trader friend goes, no, you don't even try to pay it. Just forget about it. Just go bankrupt. It's not a big deal. Just start day trading stocks. You'll be a millionaire in a couple of years. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like it was just painful to listen to. So that's my worst example that I've heard in a while. Um, just don't try to pay off your debt. Just go file for bankruptcy and just start day trading. So you can be a millionaire in a couple of years. Did you end up saying, hey guys, you should check out this Great website called seedtime.com. You know, it's one of those things. It's like there's there's times when you're in these situations where it's like, all right, do I say something or do I not? Do I just sit here? And in the moment I chose not to say something given the circumstances and the way things were going on. Um, but I am looking for the other kid. I want to make sure that he doesn't <laughs> destroy his financial future like that. They're baiting you, man. <laughs> Maybe, maybe that's all it was. Maybe it was one of those hidden camera shows and they're just trying to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's cool. Like it's a, yeah, the worst, I can't even remember the worst piece of financial advice that I've received. It's a lot of it. Um, 
But yeah, I can't pinpoint one right now. Might have to give you a list later. There's a lot for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Give you a massive list. Um, but yeah, why did you decide to write Simple Money, Rich Life right now? And uh, what do you want people to know the most about the book? Yeah. No, I mean, I think they're so, you know, I've been professionally blogging since 2008, which is now 14 years, which is hilarious to think about. And uh, over those years, like I've talked to a handful of publishers over the years who were whatever hinting at or flirting with us writing a book type of thing. And it just never felt right. It just never felt like the right time. And for some reason, about three years ago, it's like all of a sudden, it's like it changed. And and it's probably mostly me, like just finally getting ready to the point to be able to do it. But but that was, um, yeah, I think the reason why is I, I'm just sick of peop, people struggling with their finances, you know? And, and, to, and to be honest, like not even the people who are like, man, I'm really struggling, but the people who are just kind of living in mediocrity yeah. when it's like, things are fine. Like I make a decent enough salary. Like I pay all my bills. It's like, but, but there's so much more and there's so much more. And even when you see beyond yourself, you know, and again, this comes back to the earning more with intentionality thing where it's like, what if you earned more, not just for yourself? What about all the other people who could be impacted just because you cho chose to earn more? And and so that's a big part of what I'm trying to do is that I see that there's an opportunity to impact the world. And this is, you know, subtitle, um, you know, there's an opportunity to impact the world just by us making smarter money decisions and or earning more, using our money a little bit wiser. And anyway, so that's the motivation behind it. Like I want to see a more of the world impact uh, impacted. And I think this is the way that I can help do that. I've read a lot of financial books. I mean, I've read Tony Robbins' book. Uh, yep. There's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. There's my good friend. He's a plug for you, Derek Kinney. Is his Good yep. Money Revolution book. I've read all these financial related books, and I'm I'm always curious how is your one, or how would your one be different to say like a Tony Robbins or a Robert Kiyosaki's version if you've ever read any of those books. Yeah, I've read both of them. I would say um, uh, this book, I don't have an actual copy yet. All I have is this hollowed out <laughs> version of a cover. But this book is, it's different in that, um, I think it's just not written like a boring financial book, A, which I don't, for some people that doesn't really matter. But um, it's like a Swiss army knife. Like that's what I've been calling it because it has far more specific and practical stuff that someone can start doing today than definitely Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I mean, although I, I loved Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I thought it was a great book. I'm a great mindset book. Um, Tony Robbins' book um, was a little bit overwhelming um, in terms of being really big and really intense. And I think there's some, there's a couple little, um, you know, investing strategies that he pulled out and wiggled out of some billionaires that I think are good um, kind of resources. And, you know, and I reference that once in a while for that. Uh, but this is just a very practical book um, in terms of teaching you and giving you wisdom on how to actually earn more money and how to spend wiser and reduce expenses, like with specific things you can start doing today. But then also um, includes a lot of that inspiration stuff um, and, you know, different facets of our story, as well as I think just a lot of I think it gives a reader an opportunity to see giving in a different way. And so for someone like you, Jay, or anybody who's like really been burned out or beat up by giving and the churches handle it of it, like this is completely different. There's not an ounce of guilt or shame or you have to do this else. Like, like we don't approach giving that way. So I've never seen any book that's approached giving the way that we do in this book. Well, I, for one, am excited to read it. I mean, I love having conversations and I love reading books that deal with money. I think it is an important topic of conversation in our day and age. Yeah. And uh, who knows, maybe one day I might be a millionaire and I might, yeah, be able to give more money back to people, but that doesn't stop me from doing Let's that do right now. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I just love this, this topic a lot. Uh, where do you want people to get a copy of the book, Bob, before I ask you the final question? Sure. Yeah. Um, so simplemoneybook.com, you can go there. Or another thing we did just for somebody who was curious about the book, like we have, um, we got a website, threedaymoneychallenge.com, where you can just go there and get three of the actual 
um, I think most important things in the book and you can get them for free um, just by going there and signing up for that three day money challenge. And then if you like that, then you can check out the rest of the book, but it's a way to kind of test the waters if you're not sure. Well, I'll make sure everyone knows where to get a copy of it, both in Australia, around the place, because the audience is bored. Yeah. Uh, but my final question for you, my friend, this is my all time favorite question. I love asking everyone at the end. It's a hypothetical one, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic for the sake of argument, but they've been able to get it and show it to you on your hundredth birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Wow. That's a great question. I love it. Uh, yeah, I think for me, um, you know, kind of like we were just talking about, like, I want, you know, cause I've been thinking about this a lot. Like what, what do I want? I mean, kind of a different way of putting this, but like, what do I want people to say in my funeral and kind of, you know, working backwards from that. And, and you know, this as well as I do, like, um, people remember those moments that you have with them, like those little special moments. Um, and we all have those, like where we get to impact someone's life, uh, and I, I want to be someone who is taking advantage of every one of those little small moments um, to say a word to someone, to give something to someone, to encourage someone over here. And so that's where I would like that to be on my whatever hundredth birthday, just having it be a highlight reel of all of those little things. Cause I actually um, keep a file, which I call like kind of my trophy folder. Um, and those are what I call trophies. Like, cause those are the things I'm excited about. Um, those little memories that I got to impact someone on. And so, yeah, that's what I'd love to see. It's just a highlight reel of one after another, after another on that. I think it'd be really fun. I think it would be. I think it's a great send off message for people to reflect on as, as well as all the other things that you've said today. But Bob, thank yeah. you so much for your time man, for your wisdom and your advice, especially your story and for joining me today on the Storybox podcast. Yeah. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate it, brother. really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.